We conquer cancer. For the mom-to-be who is out of treatment options. For the doctor who has a brilliant idea but needs research funding. For the people who faced cancer head-on and climbed incredible heights while they were with us. For the children who celebrate the end of chemo. We conquer cancer for all who have been touched by it. Conquer Cancer accelerates breakthroughs in research and care for every cancer, every patient, everywhere. Join us at conquer.org. You know those times in the day when you can't fit in a full podcast? Running out to the store, walking the dog, or washing the dishes? Jam is the new way to listen when you have just enough time for the perfect short audio playlist. Get started at listentojam.com slash podcast and get your daily jam playlist filled with more voices in less time. With Jam, you can choose from news, parenting tips, wellness advice, and more. Go to listentojam.com slash podcast and satisfy your curiosity with short audio. Discover something new every day. Mental Podcast is a show dedicated to individuals and mental health professionals, providing support, information, and some candid conversation along the way. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle and Seth. Welcome to another episode of Mental. Can you believe it, Michelle? Another episode. It's been another week. It's been another week. Yes, it has. How are you? Um, I'll just say that I'm happy we're not doing this through Facebook Live today. Oh? Uh, I look like crap, I feel like crap, and nobody will see me roll my eyes in derision over what I any say? little comment that may upset me. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. You'll see me, though. You'll see me. Little comment? Well, the only person talking to you is me. Well, I know, but you've already annoyed me, so see, that's... Everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Mental Podcast. Uh, my name is Seth Showalter, and I am here with my co-host, Michelle Collins. Hello, hello. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you always call this an interview, and it's not an interview. And we're not on Facebook Live, so I have like not. so much editing potential. You do. It's wonderful. <laughs> I, we're good. I think you should leave this in, though. I don't think we should. Banter's fun. <laughs> Banter's good, but not when I fumble over my words. Oh, stop it. That's being will, too self-critical. I will share with everyone that we actually were supposed to record an hour ago. And then... <laughs> 30, Michelle showed up. <laughs> 30 minutes later, we then were supposed to start recording. And now 40 minutes later, here we are yeah. actually recording. So I have... A rough damn day. I probably have annoyed Michelle, but I will note that she has annoyed me as well. So it's... I it's annoyed fair. you? How did I annoy you? Well, you were what? yelling at me at one point. Do well, you, you deserve recall? to be yelled at. I'm well, sorry, okay. but you <laughs> deserved it. <laughs> uh, there you are. So everyone, <laughs> this is Mental Podcast, and we are talking about <laughs> religious trauma syndrome this month. Which is kind of a hot topic uh, in our culture and across Christian circles today. So I think it's cool to talk about. Is it okay if I'm sarcastic for a moment? Yes. Because you can always take it out in editing if you need I to. I can. <laughs> Sarcasm I was just going to say, I know that quite a few out there are tired of listening to us talk about trauma, but you're just going to have to get over it. 
you're just going to have to get over it. <laughs> it's what we're doing. And if you have a problem with us talking about the subject matter for that long, there is the option to not listen. There's that. I mean, I really care about numbers, so I really want you to listen. <laughs> but if it if if it's going to cause you grief, just, just turn it off. <laughs> no, but let's be honest for a minute. Let's be honest. I, I realize that everybody is keyed in on the word trauma, but here's the deal. We're talking about a lot of different subject matters. A lot of Child those subject abuse, matters are the violence. cause. Right. A lot of those are the cause of trauma. And that's why we're talking about them. They're important subject matter on their own right. But yes, we are talking about them through the lens of the traumatic response that they elicit in the individual. That's an important topic. People need to know it's okay to work through this stuff. Yes. And this is, after all, a mental health podcast. Yes, it is. So, so. we're going to talk about it. Right. <laughs> And and the truth of the matter is, uh, we would be talking about this really even if we weren't titling this trauma trials. To be sure. honest with you, things we're talking about, the topics we've covered, have a real life impact on people's lives. And I think by not talking about this, we're doing a disservice. So I agree. There I you mean, go. I, I just there's no way in the, in the subject of mental health that you get around the subject of trauma. You just don't. Right. I mean, that's why people go to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> there's some level of trauma in their life. So anyway, I just felt like being sarcastic because, you know, I'm feeling a little moody today, Seth. So and, and a little a little head up. So well, I I mean, I, I'm sad for you when when things aren't going well. But I also like it when you're this way because it makes our like episodes. It when I'm all sassy. I do. It makes our episodes more juicy, in my opinion. Yeah, anyhow. okay. Yeah. Well, let's, let's. You also like it when I'm yelling in traffic, so I don't know that yeah. your taste can be considered. Just as long as you're not yelling at me, we're there good. There you go. Which I already did that too. Look at we've just covered all the bases today. We're I yelled at you pretty loudly. <laughs> home, home run, a uh, uh, home run. So How yes, does it feel to have several mothers, Seth. It feels wonderful. <laughs> we are covering religious trauma syndrome this month, yes, but we are. before we jump into the content, in true mental fashion. We need to have some mental minutes. Yeah, well, that's why we're late recording this, as you pointed out, because I've been having a mental minute for quite a while. <laughs> yes, but see, the mental minutes that we had aren't going to be shared publicly. They're not going on air, no. No, no. <laughs> that's so right, now, you all are getting a fake mental minute. <laughs> so now is our polished, put together yes. <laughs> summaries of our lives. Well, no. So let me just say, it doesn't matter, you know, how much we laugh about this or the jokes that we make or, you know, the fact that we try to be oh so honest that we have our struggles as well. We're not kidding when we say that, like we're still human beings and life is still shitty sometimes. And so we struggle just as much as anybody else. And so, yeah, it's it's been a very difficult period of time for me. And today just added to it. <laughs> so... I, I will share something personal. I will. I, I shared this with Seth yesterday. I try to be honest about this as much as I can. I have dealt with depression since I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. And that is threatening right now. And, and I can feel it. And it's a very uncomfortable feeling. It, it's a daunting feeling because I'm working very hard to not allow it to happen. The problem is I don't get to, I don't get to control that. It just happens. <laughs> right. And so I'm trying to, all I can do is control, try to control how I respond to it. Mm -hmm. And so, like I said, I try to be very honest about that. I try to be open about it because that tends to lessen the severity of it often for me. I know that may not be the case for others, but it does for me. 
So when life is difficult, it's bad. But when you're dealing with depression and life gets difficult, it exacerbates the issue. And so I'm sitting here laughing, but quite honestly, <laughs> it's a, it's a hard thing to deal with sometimes. And so that's why, that's why we were late uh, recording because I was busy bitching at Seth about <laughs> all the crap that's making it worse. But yeah. Without uh, talking about the things that are making mm -hmm. it worse, right? Because we have personal lives and we sure, need, we do. there are yeah. some things, things that are we ours. Need, yeah. Right. There's some things that we need to keep close to the vest. Right. However, I think that the experience of depression is something many people uh, know and, and live with. Right. And right. what you are, are describing is kind of feeling it before it's here. Like it's almost a like a feeling, premonition. Yeah. It's a, yeah, you feel it happening. I can feel myself sliding towards that, that I don't want to just call it an emotion because I think that's too simplistic. Mm -hmm. It is, it, it's a reality and yeah, it's almost like a premonition. I feel it. When you say, okay, so, and I, and again, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Right, you know what you're right. talking about. It might be difficult to describe. But well, for someone who is not, right, someone who's not prone to depression, who doesn't know what that's like, can you describe what it is you're feeling? Well, first of all, and I think I said this to you yesterday, life, like, life circumstances can cause you to feel depressed. Mm -hmm. But that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I've struggled with for years. Those life situations actually make it harder. But when I'm talking about I feel myself edging towards this depression – I don't have a good reason. And and I don't and that's the frustrating part of it is I don't always get to understand why it's happening. It just happens. When life is difficult on top of that, at least I have something to go, okay, here's here's some stuff that I'm dealing with. But the truth is that depression sits there all the time. And and so feeling that just means that there's almost an impending feeling of doom. I can't even I don't even know if that's a good description. I just know that that's the words I can give it. Right. And that I know that feeling and I would describe it as an impending feeling of doom. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I identify and, and, with that. And you're trying to, you're trying to, okay, I, I got enough, I got to get enough sleep. I've got to eat well. I've got to exercise. I got to do all the things that I know are right for me. And yet it doesn't, it doesn't help it. It's, it's almost something that you, you resign yourself to the fact that this is going to happen and I have to work through it. Because mine is cyclical. Mine, I, it doesn't stay all the time. And what I have found over the years is if I'm just honest about it and open about it, and I and I hate the word accountability, but if if I say something to somebody so they know, it usually passes much quicker mm -hmm. than if I lock it inside and try and deal with it on my own. That's almost a recipe for disaster right there. Right. Yeah. So it so that's kind of you know it's been there. So again, I'm just trying to be very honest about that. That has nothing to do with the circumstantial stuff that's going on in my life. That's just adding to it. Right. You know, and those, those are difficult things, but this stands alone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I, life could be great. Everything could be seemingly wonderful in my life and I could still have this issue mm -hmm. because that's what, that's what I'm saying. I think depression is very misunderstood. We assume that it means something bad is happening. Well, not necessarily. It, that can cause depression, but just, just generalized depression just is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It and it's differentiated in the diagnostic manual as well. That yes, there there is depression that is brought on by circumstances of life, a period of sadness, grief, whatever the case may be. But there is depression that there really is no rhyme or reason for. It just is. So right. I wish I had and a better explanation. 
Well, I I think that's a pretty good one. I I mean, and and the truth of the matter is, there are some common symptoms that one experiences with depression, but we're not even to that point yet. It's feeling right. it coming on. Yeah, and you know it's coming. <laughs> I mean, I have that with seizures frequently. Yeah, exactly. Uh, granted, an aura. I will, right. Yeah. Which, by the way, okay, I'll jump into my mental minute here, <laughs> which isn't even what I had planned. But I have been having what I was calling, at one point, seizures. And then I met with a psychiatrist, and he's like, no, 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 no. Those are not seizures. You're having panic attacks. Mm-hmm. Which, again, wonderful. I got prescribed Xanax. So I was like, all right, <laughs> sweet. So, But then I went back to my neurologist recently, and he's like, no, no, Seth. These are not panic attacks. You are having temporal lobe seizures. And I was like, oh. Wow. And I was, and he's like, no, no, you, the, the, what you are experiencing is a temporal lobe seizure. You are not having panic attacks. And I was like, well, does that mean I have to stop taking the Xanax? <laughs> can I keep doing that? Can I keep doing that? Um, I think I can. Uh, so I'm going to do both. And they upped all my anti-convulsant medication. That was just a couple weeks ago. Which is probably a good ago. idea. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you and I have had those conversations because I get very triggered every time you're telling me you have a seizure. <laughs> <laughs> because oh, my son has epilepsy, so seizure to me is a grand mal seizure, and right. I know that's not your experience, but it freaks me well, out every time. Well, it is my experience, actually, not in this situation, but that was right. The I've had two seizures in my life. I mean, two big seizures grand, in my grand life. Mal seizures. I've had two grand mal's, and right. after that, now I have these like aftershock in a way. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's you're still cognizant when you have yours, if I understand them correctly, right? You're still able to communicate. With the temporal lobe, yes, absolutely. So that's what I'm saying. When I get triggered, because when I hear seizure, my son is gone. He's he's just gone. Right. And and so and and it's very traumatic to see. And so that when you tell me, oh, as you're talking to me, oh, I'm having a seizure. I'm like, oh my god, I freak out. Mm -hmm. When in reality, you're having a you're having symptoms, but it's not like symptoms I'm expecting. Right. So it's, again, this is another thing that looks very different. They're very strange. <laughs> it's, yeah, I it's have very... like heat radiate from my right. feet. Like it's my entire. It's almost okay. This is the best way to explain what's happening. I'm having a menopausal hot flash. That is what I. <laughs> that is what I'm experiencing with a little dizziness. Okay, that's that's okay. it. All right. I thought that could be a panic attack. I got Xanax out of the deal. But the the neurologist <laughs> has been very specific. What you are having are temporal lobe seizures. So there you are. And okay. the story I wanted to share, which just to make everyone happy, because it's a lot of little <laughs> joy before we jump into oh my goodness <laughs> some serious content. I uh, this past weekend for Mother's mm-hmm. Day, I went mm-hmm. and saw my family, my brother and his boyfriend. Uh, flew into town as well it was also the true false film festival however the weather and really impacted that so i didn't even go to one however i got to see one at home but i fell asleep within 10 minutes so (laughs) it was really good though but kind of slow it was about uh isis they had like abducted a thousand like 1,500 women and sold them into sex slavery. And the story was of these people who were going into Syria and rescuing these women. And they actually Mm. won the True False Film Festival like award or whatever. Some money goes to help support them. However, I don't think the attendance because of the weather, I think it's going to really impact that. But anyhow, I was at home and I brought up 
that I am very upset with my eyebrows because they are blonde. <laughs> or lack thereof. <laughs> lack thereof. I did a TikTok for the show and like literally it looks like I have no it looks like I have no eyebrows. I swear it's, to God, I honestly have never even thought about it's it. It's <laughs> embarrassing. So I brought it up to my parents and my brother and his boyfriend. And they they uh they did the stuff to my eyebrows. So now eyebrows, yeah, I have I to go buy like eyebrow mascara or something no, i'm gonna it's go eyebrow pencil <laughs> i'm gonna be trying that out draw that on yeah it's gonna be a <laughs> don't get crazy <laughs> super stoked about it I, i'm yeah. gonna tell you honestly it never occurred to me that you didn't have eyebrows well, I think you're the only one that's self-conscious about it. you're gonna see them now i will make sure <laughs> that they are seen don't get garish please <laughs> no I'll, I'll try not to okay oh, okay <laughs> Anything else we should cover in our oh mental minutes this week? It's kind know. of been all I over the I feel like board. that was already heavy enough so, <laughs> until we got to the eyebrows anyway. <laughs> yeah. There you are. Oh, it is what it is. I think we should just get to our <laughs> get to our subject matter. Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to hand it back over to you. Oh, you are? Because okay. this is like your thing. It is not. Stop saying like, that. I'm like, this my co-host, thing. my co-host is like a published expert oh, on religious deconstruction. Expert. Don't say that because 15 people are going to come out of the woodworks to describe why I'm not an expert and I don't need their bullshit. So. Really? Honestly. Yeah. That, they would do that? Yes. So Ugh. there's people that pick apart a bunch of shit. And you know that we already had this discussion just a little bit ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, they can go. <laughs> yeah, they can. <laughs> They can go. Oh, we're feeling a little snappy today, they can aren't go, we? They, they can go handle Got a little themselves. sass going on here. Uh, yeah. This might be a long episode because I realize we also be. have lived experience. I hope that's okay, Michelle. Yes, so, of course. It's part, Matthew, right? It is. And, Matthew's and so, always okay with me. Whew. All right. So. <laughs> and with you as well. Yes. <laughs> I shouldn't say that publicly. And you brought that Why? up, and you made that apparent when we were interviewing him. By the way, um, and I do thought you that think was... he didn't already know that. I haven't said anything. Um. Oh, you're not obvious or anything. Please give me a break. What? What? Oh, what? <laughs> what did I do? What? His voice goes up four octaves. Tries to look all innocent. You're so full of shit. He's so cute. Okay. <laughs> I know he is. <laughs> <sighs> so we're talking about religious trauma syndrome this month. I think I've said that five times already I know, in this and I episode. Seriously, we've laughed every time we've said it, which and is really so inappropriate. <laughs> everyone, we apologize. Listen, it's we have editing magic. So, well, I might leave all this in. We'll see. <laughs> in order to address this topic, we are pointing out ways in which church churches specifically and church leadership can be abusive or harmful right that is not necessarily an attack on the religion itself no and i want to clarify that because i want to i think that some people might think that we're just being you know out against god and just you know hateful People who have been so hurt, they've been so traumatized, they, they, they've they left the faith altogether. And sometimes that does happen through religious well, trauma syndrome, but not always. So no. as we talk about these different issues, please understand we're looking at this to show the ways in which imperfect people can be put in places of power that they shouldn't have. <laughs> 
Well, I, I, I'm going to bring up something here because I really feel like this needs to be pointed out. We are talking about a specific thing that in no way indicates that there isn't positive out there. Right. When we're talking about religious trauma syndrome and we're we're talking about our experience with Christianity, that in no way implies that we don't think there are aren't good Christians out there. Of course there are. Right. We that doesn't in any way mean that we think every church is abusive. Of course we don't think that. Come on. Come so on. If you're talk if we went back in last month and we talked about child abuse, would you make the same assumption? Oh, you're saying there's no good parents. Well, no, nobody would make that assumption. Don't make the same assumption here. The assumption here is that we this are talking specifically. Okay, but we are sitting here talking specifically about a trauma syndrome that is specific to religion. I'm sorry if it upsets the apple cart, but we have to say this because there are abusive Christian situations. And so one more time, I'll say it very clearly. If that's not your Christian experience, go right past it. <laughs> Just go past it. But we are talking to the people whose experience it has been. Right. Exactly. And because we're a mental health podcast, we, we're going to talk about this from that perspective. Yes. It's just the way we're going to do it. Anyway, I'm feeling sassy today, so... Oh, I loved it. You, you The smile you had on your face when I started <laughs> that sentence. But I, I, I want to just level set. Yeah, okay. Because we are addressing something very specific. We're not speaking for every church in America right. Right. or the world. We're not speaking for every Christian in the world. We're speaking about when churches become dysfunctional Correct. and leadership gets dysfunctional. And so right. for today... What we're going to look at are spiritually abusive messages. And there's and, plenty of them. Yes. And, and the, ironically, as we talked about last week, we talked about the, the, the structure, if you will, of abuse within religious organizations. We're talking about things that happen gradually over time. And so those messages may not even seem overtly abusive or traumatic, but they build to that. Right. They build up. Or you reach a point in your understanding or your questioning where you go, wait a minute, why, that's not okay to say. And it suddenly dawns on you that, that that's really wrong. Mm -hmm. That's what we're talking about. So we're not talking about a pastor getting up in the front of the church and immediately berating and abusing his parishioners. We're talking about a pattern of commentary or actions that lead to that. And what you might often find in these situations is you don't realize it when you are in it. Right. As Michelle just brought up, it can be slow. I mean, this can be both explicit or implicit, right. spoken or unspoken, confirmed or denied, overt or subtle. And it typically heats up over time. So you don't always see it when you're in it. Right. Until it's it, you have to get out. To really yeah. see it. Absolutely. Well, it's that whole hindsight is twenty twenty kind of idea. We don't see it in the moment, but later we can look back at something and go, oh, that's what was happening. Because mm -hmm. now we can see it. We're outside of the emotion. We're outside of the actual experience itself. And we're able to look at it objectively and go, wait a minute, that's a problem. And what's ironic to me is the first one that we have here on the list actually goes back to something we talked about last week and that you actually right. expanded upon the whole touch, not the anointed. Mm -hmm. Because the first one is don't ask questions. Don't question the leadership in any way. And again, that goes back to that subtle idea that they're the leadership, they're the hierarchical authority. We don't question that. Follow the rules. A, right. Avoid right. confrontation. Right. 
Yeah. Keep and, things and, to yourself. Yeah. Because everybody doesn't want to upset the apple cart. You know, mm-hmm. we want we want smooth, simple, beautiful Sunday morning. We don't want there to be any messiness. So don't question. But so once you've established that as your baseline, that we're not questioning the authorities, it's easy to start ramping up the other stuff because now people are just expected to blindly accept it and never question. And and so, and again, we said this last week and I'm going to reiterate it because I think it's important. I don't know that there's very many pastors out there that sat down and planned out how they were going to spiritually abuse their parishioners. <laughs> I, I think it just comes as a part of their own understanding. And, and their need to control, because a lot of people that are in the pastoral ministry are actually very good at, you know, leadership and things like that. So they're used to controlling a situation. So that's, they're just leaning in on that. Again, I don't think they're out there going, hmm, let me decide how to be abusive today. I don't think anybody's doing that. Or maybe a, fub- a couple, but. Well, I-, I don't think we see it so much within American Christianity, but I think you see that in cults. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. And right. yeah, and that and that needs to be differentiated. Cults and we talked a little bit about that in the last episode, I think. Or was that the episode? Yeah, no, it was last week. About cults, the difference between mm-hmm. cults and mm-hmm. Yeah. Because those that does exist, but again, that should be very quick and easy to understand that hey, this is this is bad leadership. Right. Well, the next one, you know, we kind of talked about too. Uh if you disagree with me or the organization, you're going to be labeled, you're going to be blacklisted, you can be punished. You know, there's a subtle in- indication there that you have to toe the line or else. You know, so I don't know. Ostracized, ostracize, ah, can't say it. You'll be ostracized. Banished. You know, banished, yeah. Lose your community. Mm-hmm. So these are these are things that are detrimental to people emotionally and psychologically, you know, and not even touching the theological, so... It's difficult, but I think you also mentioned the next one, uh, not to trust yourself or your instincts, because these are not, you're, you're not as spiritual. You're not as learned. You're not as educated. You're not as close to God. You know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't trust your own instincts. You should listen to me as the authority. I'm going to go somewhere with this. Okay. It might be off base, but I'm going to go there. (laughs) With the whole sexuality thing. Yeah. I went to so many different people seeking answers. Right. Please help me. I don't want to be this way, but this is how I feel. Right. Continually asking for help. And I remember going to California, which is where I did essentially Christian drug and alcohol rehab with a reparative therapy twist. Right. Essentially. I, that whole idea, though, of like not trusting your instincts, because everything within me was saying, this is who I am. Mm. This is this is who God made me to be. But I was continually being told by this spiritual guru that came to the facility once a week, right? That she's the spiritual, she's the smart one. Please trust her. Do not trust yourself. And I don't know. That just kind of hit home for me. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, you know, a lot of times religion, those within the religious system will tell you that you're you're being unduly influenced by demonic, you know, demonic oh, yeah. entities. 
Um, or you're, you're, you're backsliding, you're listening, your ears are, your ears are being tickled by what you want to hear. It's another one uh, again. And I think I shared with you before and shared with the listeners, the, that my daughter at some point was in my, and this was in my book as well. My daughter was actually told that it didn't matter if she heard God or not. The pastor heard God for her. Mm-hmm. And so, and it was funny. I had a whole conversation with her today and she was telling me, um, you know, mom, I've been reading your book. And I said, oh, great. You know, what do you think so far? And she says, I had to put it down a couple times. And I said, really? She said, yeah, there was a lot of stuff that I didn't remember that when I read you telling of it, she said, it literally upset me so badly again, I had to put the book down for a little while. Oh, wow. And that I'm assuming that was one of them is that whole experience with her being told, you don't hear God, but I've heard God for you. Um, Because that was specific to her. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Again, it was it was detrimental. It was harmful to her because at the time it made her really question, like, maybe I really don't know God. Right. You know, or maybe I'm not important enough for God to speak to. And I think that's a subtle thing that most people end up thinking, like, I'm just not important enough for God to speak to. So I have to rely upon this leader to tell me what God is actually saying. Which, if you get right down to it, I really kind of liken that. And I'm sure somebody will take issue with this. But I kind of liken that to, like, religious um, fortune telling is what that's that smacks of to me (laughs) i don't like that (laughs) yeah i will note though that in high school uh i was i grew up two hours north of kansas city and in kansas city is the Mm -hmm. international house of Mm -hmm. prayer and i can remember multiple times (laughs) driving there because they had like a 24-hour prayer room you wanted answers i wanted answers and they would do it like you could go in there like legit And like have people lay hands on you and like speak prophetic words into your life. Because you just never knew. Also, I used to watch Pat Robertson like (laughs) clockwork because they always had that thing at the end where there is someone listening right now. (laughs) And they'd lay out the situation with like this prophetic word and I was always like... I God is going to speak me. to me that he is going <laughs> to that he is going to read me. I am going to yeah. get there. He's going to let me know. I used but to watch again, that every night. That comes back to this, and we've had this discussion before. And I think I shared a story about somebody getting upset with me because I wouldn't tell them what God was, what I felt God was saying for them. Because to me, that was it was it was silly. They have the same Holy Spirit. They have the same ability that I would have. They just didn't trust that they heard God, and that's what they needed to work on. Because every one of us should be able to hear God for ourselves. We shouldn't need an outside intercessor. We just shouldn't. And, and it's fine if somebody backs up what you're feeling or if somebody gives you a word that's encouraging or whatever like that. But for you to go seek it out like, you know, let me put a dime in and, and get, you know, a reading back. That's what that feels like to me. <laughs> I don't know. I know a lot of people, a lot of people rely on that. So do it if you're going to do it. I just, I don't like it. So <laughs> that's just my opinion. That's my disclaimer. It's just my opinion. I don't trust myself, Michelle. Well, you I need, need to learn to trust else. yourself. I need someone else to validate it, especially when it comes to Jesus. Yeah, well, I'm just not sure that we should ever think that somebody else knows what's best for us better than we do. I think that that's a self-esteem issue. No, I don't think you're wrong. And that, I'm think, saying that as right. somebody who used to do the same stuff. So <laughs> I used you. to believe I needed somebody to tell me. You nailed that. All right, well. next one. <laughs> Follow the rules, spoken or unspoken, or you will be punished. 
kind of already covered that last week. Well, there's, you know, denominational uh, expectations oftentimes within Christianity, depending on what your denomination is, you know, there's different things. Look, some denominations believe it's a sin to dance, you know, or to, for women to wear jewelry, you know, and others are like, big deal. You know, some denominations have drums and electric guitars and others are like, no, it has to be piano music or it's just not godly. It has to be hymns. You know, I mean, so there's these denomination, denominational expectations that we're asked to, you know, adhere to in order to be in right standing, you know. Right. Well, um, I've been I'm, I'm I've been out of the church for a long time, so kind of stopped caring about those denominational differences. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, I will note that the Bible has, you know, some rules in it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's true. But and I would say I, that even cult- church, church culture has a lot of rules. Well, that's what I mean, though, because that that depends on the ch- the church culture that you're a part of. They're not right. all identical. Just, a, just going back to denominations, okay? Right. They're not all identical. So there's just an expectation of how you should comport yourself within this within this hierarchy or this organization in order to be acceptable to those who are in charge of that organization, which means it really comes down to what they like or don't like. <laughs> right. Not necessarily not necessarily that it's right or wrong in the eyes of God. Mm-hmm. You know, I always thought it was kind of funny, like people, you can't dance in church, that's wrong. And I'm like, didn't David dance before the Lord? I, I know that's in the Bible. I, I, I know it is. <laughs> so some things are biblical and some are just not. How does that work? I'm I'm confused. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, go on to the next one. We will communicate with you. You will not communicate with us. Yeah, it's kind of that top down kind of situation. And I think we see this a lot in at least me personally because I okay, so whenever I got involved in a church environment multi, you know, from church to church when I was back involved, I would always try to get chummy chummy with leadership and I would always try to get a meeting with the pastor. It's just who I am. I always go to the top. And in the brown noser, big, is that what you're telling me? Oh, yeah, and I have really good stories about it, specifically one regarding James River that I will never live down. But I I, um, I notice in these mega churches, right, the bigger the church is, the I think the more that this is true. Because you can't, they can't speak to everybody because they're no. so big. Yeah. Well, you know, I've, I've been in a couple big churches like that, and one of the common refrains there is that we need to get smaller as we get bigger. In other words, there needed to be Lots of small groups that you were accountable to because, you know, it was impossible for the leadership to know what everybody was doing. But that way there was a way. Right. And that and that's the new structure of how things were. Yeah. But that really wasn't. When I think to my experience with this one specific church, that wasn't a thing yet. Yeah. Well, it's been a while ago. So. Right. Church, church has become very corporate feeling to me. Well, you were going to say something there. I saw I that. Know. No, okay. I'm being my facial being expressions good. today are all over the board. <laughs> That's okay. Okay, uh, no, I'm going to tell this one story. Okay, go this, ahead. Okay, because just because it's juicy, I went to <laughs> when I was in grad school. I was living in Springfield, Missouri, and I went to a big church, uh, AG, uh-huh. uh, called James River, uh-huh. and they hosted a uh, like a Wednesday night prayer meeting. 
and it was all against this law that was being passed in Springfield that was going to offer LG like some rights to LGBT people, essentially making it so they couldn't be fired. I think is what it oh, was okay. about. And for, the church, for their sexual orientation. Correct. And the yeah. church was holding a prayer meeting to tell everyone to vote no on that because we do not want the, you know, the homosexuals, uh, they're living in, in sin and we don't, whatever. So I literally went up to the worship pastor or not the worship, the worship pastor was leading worship. I walked up to the pastor and I said, I'm one of those people. I'm gay. What would you like me to do? Yeah. Like what, what, here I am. Fix me. If you have the answer, fix me. Here I am. That was brave. Oh, I did. And do you know what they did? Hmm. They put me in charge of ex gay ministries at their church for about two months. (laughs) Did they understand that you weren't ex gay? I explained that I had tried to change. And so therefore I should be a model to everyone else. (laughs) Sorry. I just, that's really off topic. Oh, all right i mean that story yeah, came that's, that's so I, that has nothing to do with we will communicate with no you but you can you can throw it in us. with rules of the organization <laughs> no, suppose. okay take the wheel because i'm off take the wheel jesus take the wheel take the wheel michelle <laughs> michelle take it uh, well this next one it, it hits home to me i saw a lot of this if you leave this organization you are wrong you're in sin or you'll lose your salvation again that has a very cultic feel to it you know, there's a lot of fear and manipulation that's in that statement. But I think I've shared before that often there were people that had left our church previously. And so if, and we lived in a, a smaller town. And if you found out anything about that person's life later on, like they were experiencing a divorce or there was illness or, you know, some tragedy had befallen their life. It was always kind of said, you know, well, this is what happens when you walk away from your protection or your covering. Mm. And I, I, that always bothered me because I was like, well, that, I mean... <laughs> That's really, it's kind of manipulative to the people that are still there. Like, see, that's, it's a cautionary tale. That's what can happen to you if you leave here. And, that, and that's pretty spiritually well, abusive. It's, well, it's tribal. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But uh, it also insinuates that you alone are the bastion of truth and that people have to be there to be covered by God, you know, to right. have the protection or blessing of God in their lives, which is, of course, not true. <laughs> in case you're confused about that, that's not true. <laughs> So existing in an abusive church, it can be a very traumatic experience. You know, spiritual or moral meaning gets attached to like anything that you do. Uh, You can lose friends, family. You can even lose your connection with God, you know, or the divine. Mm -hmm. And it, it often serves as a reminder that people need to stay rather than leave. That can be problematic because what, so I'm going to say this. I knew God was telling me, huh? The stakes are too high. Very much. I knew for a year before I was asked to leave church that I wasn't supposed to be there anymore. I knew. I knew God had said it to me. I had heard God say to me, get out of your country. I knew exactly what he meant. I was struggling with it because I questioned whether I was actually hearing God or not, or if the devil was trying to lead me away. And I struggled with it. And I kept silent about it for a long time. I also felt like it was very disloyal to think about leaving because these were my friends and my family. My pastor was one of my best friends. So I literally looking back now, I I look at it and say, I had to be kicked out or I wouldn't have left. And I really believe I was supposed to. So even through all the hurt and the pain, I really feel like he still did me a favor because he, he helped me do what I knew I was supposed to be doing already. 
And and so again, I look back at that and I say, how am I leaving the blessing of God if I'm actually doing what God is telling me to do by leaving? You're like Jonah. I'm Jonah. (laughs) No, I wasn't running from God. Well, God told you to go and you wouldn't go. That was Abraham. Well, okay, you're right. From that perspective, I can see what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, I literally had to be thrown out. Mm-hmm. And, and and that was hurtful. That was painful. But I look back now and I go, I'm really, for a couple reasons, I'm glad. First of all, because I really felt like I wasn't supposed to be there anymore. So yes, he helped me do actually what God was telling me to do. But I also understand that I wouldn't have started really questioning and I wouldn't have explored what I really think and believe about God. I wouldn't have known a better God had I not had that happen. So this idea that if you leave, you're going to lose your salvation or you're going to be against God is erroneous. It it, it exerts too much assumption mm-hmm. that somebody else knows God's call on your life better than you do. So give us the next one. We conquer cancer. For the mom-to-be who is out of treatment options. For the doctor who has a brilliant idea but needs research funding. For the people who faced cancer head-on and climbed incredible heights while they were with us. For the children who celebrate the end of chemo. We conquer cancer for all who have been touched by it. Conquer Cancer accelerates breakthroughs in research and care for every cancer, every patient, everywhere. Join us at conquer.org. You know those times in the day when you can't fit in a full podcast? Running out to the store, walking the dog, or washing the dishes? Jam is the new way to listen when you have just enough time for the perfect short audio playlist. Get started at listentojam.com slash podcast and get your daily Jam playlist filled with more voices in less time. With Jam, you can choose from news, parenting tips, wellness advice, and more. Go to listentojam.com slash podcast and satisfy your curiosity with short audio. Discover something new every day. All right, the next one. Uh, your worth. Oh, I, this is gonna. <laughs> this is gonna start. This is gonna be a long episode. Your worth to us is based on your performance, mm-hmm. service, and contribution, and that even comes down to. I would even break this down even to systems. Uh, no, not systems. Works-based salvation. Yeah. Well, yeah, because that's churches, already something we believe God is expecting of us. Right. And so yeah. I think churches really grab onto that. And that's right. kind of what then is used to push it down. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it is kind of the hallmark of an abusive system. It's the way they function. Again, it's also looked at like, I love this in the notes because this is honestly so true. The compulsive workaholic is drawn to a spiritual organization that provides an outlet for service because we don't know how to sit still. I'm one of those people. I'm a compulsive workaholic. We don't know how to sit still. We have to be moving and doing something and contributing or we feel like we're being lazy. Right. And if you, when you run out of energy, you feel sick. Yes. And then, then you feel like I'm just, you know, I, I can't even tell you how tired I was by the time I left the church. I was so exhausted and, and it didn't fit my personality. I'm very introverted. So being asked to be constantly busy with people was exhausting to me normally. So what? You were going to say something. What? Oh, it's just funny how you mentioned you were so exhausted with the church when you go to the gym twice a day and you lift like 250 pound reps, like no, 150 <laughs> How much are they? How much are they? How big are they? I, well, it depends on the lift, but yeah, I did 200 pounds the other day. On That's squats, a big deal. Like, it, okay, but but okay, but I want to point out the difference here. When I'm being asked to const- no, when I'm being asked to constantly interact with people, it mm-hmm. exhausts me. 
And that's what service in the church is, is you're constantly ministering to other people. You're constantly having to deal with other people. That exhausts me. That's my personality. Going to the gym, I plug my music in. I'm in my own little world. I can function because nobody has any expectation on me. Nobody is taking any of my energy. When I'm dealing with people, there's a, there's a taking of my energy from me. So that's the difference. But, and you're constantly, an uh, yeah, I am. But the, the idea of constantly having to be busy inside the organization or you're not spiritual enough is an abusive message, you know, and, and we get guilted into that. How many, I, I don't know if you've heard this statistic or not. 20% of the people in churches do 80% of the work. Yes. I mean, that gets that. thrown around constantly. I'd like to know where the statics, you know, the statistics on the data is on that. I think that's just something that people have glommed onto and they use it to their advantage. Like, oh, I can guilt these people into becoming more involved in the church if I remind them that they need to be a part of this 20%. Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah, it's, we exhaust, we work the hell out of people. <laughs> and then we wonder why they don't want to come to church on Sundays. <laughs> They're tired, damn it. Let them sleep. <laughs> they need to serve. <laughs> yeah. Hit the next one. You must forgive those that have hurt you and trust them again. That's a tough one. First of all, trust is earned. It's not, and yes, it is a matter of choice. I'll give you that. But again, that's telling you that you have an obligation to allow people to treat you badly and you just have to get over it. I disagree 100% with that idea. You can't demand no. forgiveness. That's no. not how that you works. And you, right. What? Well, Not it has to be given. I shouldn't trust. even say you earn it. Well, we're talking about two different things. We're talking oh, yes, about forgiveness right. and trust. Right, you're and right. And so forgiveness cannot be demanded. For Like, yeah. that's a personal... Yeah. Right. And that's a personal, like... And trust, as you were mentioning, has to be earned. So, yes. yeah. Uh, but whatever the benefit of forgiveness to the survivor... It's also a choice that the abused person gets to make. It's not that the abuser does not get to make that demand on anybody. And it has to be within a, a time frame that works for the person that's been hurt. They have to come to that realization. They have to reconcile that within themselves and then offer that forgiveness. And I'm not, I'm not going to say it's not beneficial to them. It is beneficial. Forgiveness is beneficial to you because it does allow you to let things go, takes off the stress and anxiety. But again, right. it's your right to work through it to that point. And, and right. Well, for so forgiveness is about letting go, right? And trust is moving toward. Yes. You can. I'm. Not, you can't. You can't. You can't force someone to let certain things go and then make you like them again. That's not how that works. No, that's not how any of this works. <laughs> None of it works this way. <laughs> All right. Uh, you have to be open and transparent with us or me, even uh-huh. if you don't feel safe. Yeah, that's. That's not, that's a no go. If you don't feel safe with somebody, you should absolutely not open up to them and give them things they don't need. I'm gonna what? read this next one just because I'm gonna say it like like an abusive person. Are you prepared? Okay. okay. You are a woman. <laughs> Therefore, you can't think clearly oh, or sake. have a voice in this or exhibit any type of full leadership or strength. Yeah. Sorry, Michelle. You were no. right. you were born in the wrong gender. Absolutely. You must have something hanging between your legs to be a leader in the church. That's the we way that works. It. God is infinitely interested in your genitals. 100%. Apparently. And you better, and you better be circumcised too. Oh, yeah. Because if you're going to have the genitals, they have to look the right way to be <laughs> for you to be useful too. <laughs> 
I mean, at some point you have to look at all this and go, this is the most ridiculous stuff, but this is still things that people are adamant about. They're adamant. <laughs> like, and I've, I say this over and I've said this so many times in conversations. I'm like, so you're going to tell me that in a world where people are dying from disease and sickness and abuse and, and somebody could come and tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ and, and can provide for them it better be a man. It better have a penis, or it's not a it's not a valuable service to anybody else. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Like, and uh, let's get down to some some numbers here. There are more women in the world than there are men. So, so why wouldn't a woman be capable of doing this stuff? That doesn't make any sense. So, again, this is one of my loud mouth subject matters. So that's why I why I came. Yeah, at you. I know you did. I know you did. You're trying to get me stirred up and sassy. I was ready. I was yeah, ready I know. for it. <laughs> Uh, but the whole, you can't think clearly, give me a break. I know just as many dramatic overwrought men as I do women. So <laughs> we got to stop with these gender identification norms. We have to stop with that. If somebody's emotional, it's not because they're a woman. It's because they're emotional. <laughs> well, but the Bible says. Oh, I'm sorry, but no, no. It it just drives me crazy when we put these expectations on people because of, you know, their genitals. That's ridiculous. So. I don't disagree with you. Yeah, I know. You're just trying to get me all worked up. I'm having fun with it. Shame on you. Yeah. Shame on you. <laughs> this is another one. Yes. And this one often is not communicated uh, explicitly. Right. Um, it typically will come through in sermons or conversations with leadership um, where it's kind of just kind of, I don't know, it's said without being said, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah. And it, and well, it's this, you know, this feeling that there's, there is something wrong with you. Well, again, and we've had this discussion previously in other, in other series where we've talked about the difference between guilt and shame. And Brene yes. Brown, of course, is somebody that is very much in, involved in explaining the difference between the two. What? She was so brilliant. Can we just note that? Yeah, I love I love Brene Brown. I do. She didn't even produce anything new. She just took old content, remixed it, and rebranded it, and is a mil is. But she's able to communicate it in so a way successful. that yeah, it, she communicates it in a way that reaches people though, which is inherently valuable. Because, oh, agreed. Yeah, you can have you can have content, but if you if you're not able to connect with people, that content's gonna not be remembered. But she talks about this because, of course, guilt is based on, on the actions that you have. Shame is built on your identity. It's an I statement. So, you know, it's, it's the difference between saying I stole something and I'm a thief. They're different. One is an action. One is an identity statement. And, and so you're right. Shame is often used in the church as a manipulation. And, and each one of us have been taught, you know, we're filthy rags. We're, you know, we're worm fodder, whatever. So we already have that that idea about our identity anyway. So we key into that subconscious message very easily, you know, that I should be ashamed, you know, a very good man had to die because I'm so awful. I mean, that's the message of Christianity. Well, but then there's also you're beautifully and wonderfully made. Yeah. Yeah. We only talk about that if we're talking about abortion. So, I mean, (laughs) I'm sorry, but that's true. (laughs) Interesting how certain things get brought up. Yeah, exactly. uh, you know, yeah. we, we use we use scripture as a weapon, and I think that's really, that's bad. I, and that sounds simplistic to say it that way. It's really shitty to do that. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, <laughs> well, let's, let's now shift. 
okay. to, to a lived experience story. And I want to tie what we've talked about so far today in spiritually abusive messages to what we're going to hear about today with the one and only Matthew DeStefano. And I feel like I can't really talk about Matthew as well as Michelle can because Michelle knows this man so well, has written multiple books with him. They're besties. So who is Matthew DeStefano? Actually, Matthew is somebody I met on Facebook. Really? Yeah. I didn't know Matthew previous to that. Um, we became friends on Facebook. I don't even know how we became friends on Facebook, but I just, he was, he was talking about a lot of the stuff that I was experiencing at the time, the questions that I had. He had wrote his first book called All Set Free, and um, he was having a book launch party, and he lived in Chico, California, and I was going up to Bethel to see some friends that, that were living near there, and I thought, well, I'll go to his, I'll go to his book release party. I don't even know him, but I was... I was like, oh, I'll go to his book release party. So we met each other for the first time at his book release party. We had talked minimally on Facebook. Matthew's very much like me. He's very introverted. Uh, so he was very quiet while I was there, you know. But we just, we became friends. And since then, we've, you know, he's he's visited me in my home. We've done hiking together. We've done conferences together. We've spent a lot of time on the phone talking. Uh, he's a great friend. He's a way better friend than I am. He'll call me once a week just to see how I'm doing. I don't do things like that. (laughs) So he's a much better friend than me. But he, you know, since then he's written several more books. I went to his next books, book release party as well. And and we've just, we've developed a friendship over time. But I credit all of that to Facebook because I would have never known him otherwise. But he's a kindred spirit. You know, we we get each other. And uh, so I count him very much as one of my very dearest friends. And so I was happy that he sat down with us and was willing to be very vulnerable and share his heart and the things that he's struggling with. Yeah, I was very thankful as well. Yeah. So in this first clip, because Michelle doesn't know which clips I'm playing. I don't. We're going to listen to... I I had four clips picked and I took one away. So no, actually I have... Well, the fourth one's a... It's a bonus. So let me go ahead and play this first clip. We're going to hear about, we're going to hear a little bit about what he's been dealing with as of late. Okay. Well, your listeners can't see me, but I'm looking around to see who's here. (laughs) I mean, it's it's been sensitive and a little tenuous, but you know, here's the thing, like with what's going on recently, we've been honest with our daughter about like we're raising our daughter a certain way and we're uh, it's not the way we were raised necessarily so i recently came out by and i but at the same time i've married to a woman for 17 years and happily married and that's not going to change and there's been it's been a mixed bag response but what's been really consistent is her parents response and it's been really unfortunate that the response has been to basically disown us at the moment and to accuse me of having multiple affairs and then to say it's not accusing it's just my opinion which is like god could you gaslight me any more than you are right now um right so it's 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 a bit it's a part of this religious trauma that i'm you know, in the book, we talk about Michelle, if I'm over it, and it's like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm through it. I don't have these problems. I don't have existential crises anymore. Like, I don't, I'm cool with 
being agnostic about a lot of things. I, I hold my beliefs loosely. And it's like, right when you say that kind of stuff, it's like it comes to bite you in the ass yeah. again. It's like, here it is again. Right. I'm going to traumatize you in some way when you thought you were done. Like, I'm going to, you know, and it's like. Well, I mean, that's why my contention is we're never done. Once we start this process, we're never done. Never done. It, it's no. continuous. It may not be as severe, you know, so much right. of the time anymore. And it may ebb and flow, like you're saying, you think you're okay, and then suddenly it comes back. But again, that likens back to grief. That's what grief feels like. It's not a linear process. It's not a set determined amount of time for this process. Yeah. It's just you responding to whatever life hands you that day, whatever question comes up, whatever relationship mm. challenges you that day. And, yeah. and that is why it is so traumatic, because it's like being blindsided all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's difficult. Well, what yeah. do we think? I, you know, my heart hurts for him because I know he's really going through it. And not only that, but I'm friends with his wife as well. And, you know, I know that she's really, really struggling through all of this. This is her family. But these, these, if we liken it back to this subject matter, the, these are, these are messages that were taught within the church, that there's a certain right and a certain wrong, and that we have to adhere to that, even if it means we have to disown our own children. Mm -hmm. in order to remain in favor with God. And I have a very hard time believing that, you know, a God who's supposedly about relationship wants us to sever relationships in his name. And so my heart hurts for them. Uh, my heart hurts for their daughter. She's beautiful, little sweet girl and fantastic dancer. And she loves her grandparents. And now here she is, you know, ostracized from her grandparents because they have a refusal. And it's not even their daughter who has made this, this, this announcement. And yet they're willing to give up the relationship with their daughter because of who she's married to. And then, I mean, let's not even get into the whole idea of them making these assumptions that because you announced that you're bisexual, that suddenly that means you're having mar extramarital affairs. That's just a ridiculous contention, you know, and it, it speaks to ignorance. Really, it does. And, and he and I've had that discussion. I'm like, you realize this is just ignorance on their part. They don't understand. And they're just operating from a, a, a belief system standpoint rather than really taking time to think about it with compassion and love and mercy and grace. Mm -hmm. You know, all those Christian qualities that we're supposed to be operating from. So, yeah, it's very it's very damaging. And the process he mentions, because he's kind of talking about two things there, actually, um, towards the end. The, the process he's really talking about is deconstruction, crisis yes. of faith, and religious right. trauma. And, and right. kind of he mentions, you know, hey, I got over this, but now I'm going right back through it. Right. It's like I never <laughs> I never actually get away. And it's it's these types of abusive messages that kind of bring some of that about, I think. Well, it does. Or it exacerbates it for right. sure. Yeah. It, I mean, you're you're constantly dealing with people's opinion about what you're going through that they're not even experiencing. So there's no way they can understand it. And I've said that a lot of times. I do find I do find grace for people sometimes in this circumstance and say, well, they're just not there yet. And I think I even told him that in a, in a conversation. They're not there yet. They don't know what they don't know right now. And hopefully they'll get there someday. But for right now, they're actually honestly trying with, to do what they think is the right thing. It's just that they're unable to see how hurtful it is. Mm -hmm. and, and unfortunately, I have to believe that when people, when the eye-opening experience happens and they look back at these situations... It hurts my heart for them because I think some of them are going to be very devastated to realize that they hurt people along the way. Yeah. And they never would have wanted to do that. Well, since so, since they're not there yet, 
Yeah. Let's <laughs> let's listen a little bit more as to where they where they are. What do you think it is that they're struggling with? I mean, because this is a big breach in re- in relationship for you, which is one of the markers of religious trauma syndrome. So what do you think it yeah, is? Right. Do you think it's just that they feel that this is a part of their faith and they can't step outside of that? Or Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, you know, th- there hasn't been a lot of communication, but there's been a few voicemails. <laughs> and it is about, it's God's word. This is clear. Mm. I, I think, I think people s- speak out of a, a deep level of ignorance on on a lot of things, but in our specific situation on what bisexual means, for some reason, people get it in their head that bisexual e- equals like you're a slut, you sleep around. Um, they can't seem to grasp that they are straight and married and and are still attracted to other people of the opposite gender and don't want to have sex with them and don't have sex with them. But for some reason, when it comes to bisexual, it's like I'm sleeping around all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, so, so there is a deep level of ignorance there on on that the fact that monogamy and bisexual are not mutually exclusive terms, mm-hmm. and yes, it it comes down to, I think, a twisted view of what God's will and love looks like, right. because in their mind, like I can't say they're evil, I can't say they're trying to be malicious, because I think in their minds they would be doing the correct thing according to the mm-hmm. word of God, according to scripture, according to their you know whatever. And going back to the fact that there aren't multiple worldviews, there is the worldview right. and there's incorrect worldviews and our worldview is correct. And your worldview is all, uh, you know, misaligned. It's because of depravity. It's because of the fall. It's because of X, Y, and Z, whatever we tell ourselves or where, however we interpret those things based on the Bible. Right. So, so it's, it's not that they have a problem with me. It's that I have a problem with God and the way God designed us. Right. comes back to those preconceived ideas about what God wants. Again, based on a Bible that we're reading from a very limited perspective. And through that, such black and white thinking. Yeah. yeah it's my so. it's my way or no way. Right, exactly. And and I know growing up I had a mentor in high school who was I mean, called himself a fundamentalist. It's interesting because now mm-hmm. it seems like fundamentalism is a bad it's word. A dirty word. <laughs> it's kind of a dirty word and no one yeah. <laughs> wants to take ownership of that. But right. I think to this day, he would still call himself a <laughs> fundamentalist. But it's that it's black and white thinking. It's my way or no, or it, I have the correct, I, of the many translations and of the many perspectives you can have of God and whatever, I have the correct right. one. And you do not. Exactly. Well, and again, that that is problematic, not just on this subject matter, but about the idea of religion in totality. This is why we have so many different denominations, if you will, because there's always this idea that we have some information that's better than everybody else's information. It really just boils down to we have we have interpreted the word of God, the Bible, the canon in a way that is comfortable to us because it's confirming what we already know rather than opening ourselves up and saying, maybe I know nothing and I really need to learn what I can from this. And, and so that's problematic. And it becomes very problematic when it's used as a battering ram or a weapon against other people to hurt them, you know, or to discount them or to say that, that their lives are not valuable 
or they're not looked favorably upon by God. And because God can't look favorably upon you and I'm loyal to God, I can no longer look upon you favorably. And I have to, you know, again, like in this situation, I have to sever the relationship because I have to, I have to show my allegiance to God. It's to my detriment if I don't. Going back to that fear again. Well, and it's so off base. It's like they don't apply the same rules that they apply to themselves to other things that they don't understand. Yeah. Like I think yeah. Matthew brought up a really good point there. Like, oh, I can be married to my wife right. and find other women attractive and not want to sl- and like not sleep with them. Right. But because I'm bisexual due to their lack of understanding first of all, and I would say lack of exposure. Sure. Yet, right. Of the subject. Yeah, to then jump a preconceived to, notion. Right, and then to jump to such Ugly accusations. <laughs> right. And said, said consequences. I mean, missing yeah. their grandchildren. Like, I can't yeah. even, ser- like, seriously? Well, you know, and I think Matthew's been very open about the fact that literally he has had one sexual partner his entire life. Right. His wife. And they waited till they got married. So he did everything according to the rules. He still is adhering to the rules, if you will, of Christian belief. And yet now he's still being castigated as, as being sexually deviant. Because that's the mindset. If you're if you're homosexual or bisexual or however you want to identify yourself other than a heterosexual, you are sexually deviant somehow, according to the Christian belief system. And so because of that, we now have to extricate you from our lives because we can't have contact with that in our lives. That's the so damage of religion right it there. It really is. It right really is. there. Yes. And and I know you know that because I know you've experienced some of that and and you're very tough on yourself on this subject matter because of those ideas that you were raised with and believed. I haven't been excommunicated. No, but what I mean is that you have questioned your acceptance level to God. Oh, you have, yes. You've struggled with your own identity because you believed that it wasn't supposed to be your identity, even though you knew. You said it a little bit ago. I knew I was gay, and yet I kept trying this therapy that would change me. Right. This is brought up in the episode, and I didn't pull this clip. But when I have even kind of explained Matthew's story to other people in my life, mm-hmm. this same question comes up and I don't even want to ask it because I think it's rude. I already know what you're going to ask. Because so I, think, I think it's rude. But I yeah. know other people listening to this episode may be asking this question and now I'm kind of regretting not pulling that. But I have you here and you said it before, so I'm going to let you say it again. Why... Should Matthew even make this public knowledge if he's married and he's not going to step out on his wife? What's the point? Okay. Why shouldn't he? That would be my first question. Why it's, shouldn't he? It hurts his wife. If this is a part of... if well, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm, she I'm was playing... In, she I'm, was in agreement. He didn't do this without her knowledge. Okay. First and foremost, we have to... We have to Clarify that. He did not do this without her knowledge. They had a whole conversation. And I know that because he called me and he and I had a whole conversation. And I specify that. Lindsay knows this, right? And he said, yes, we've had a discussion. She was not unaware that this was going to happen. She was in agreement. The reason that somebody comes out, even in this situation where he's happily married, not planning to change that, he is expressing a part of his identity. And I think that's one of the things that specifically bisexual people often are confronted with this question. Well, you say you're bisexual, but you're in this relationship with somebody of the opposite sex. So why does it matter? Well, it matters because it's a part of who they are. Thank you. And they're they're allowed to express their full identity, even if it makes you uncomfortable. 
They're allowed to express that. It doesn't mean that they have any plans to change, you know, and swap partners. It doesn't mean that, again, going back to this whole idea of sexual deviancy, it doesn't mean that they're doing anything inappropriate. It just means that they're saying, hey, this is part of who I am and I'm acknowledging it because I'm okay with me. You know, and I, and, and when he and I discussed it on the phone, I said, you know, you're going to catch a lot of backlash for this. Are you ready for that? And he said, yeah, I think I am. I think he caught more than he was expecting. But, and I know he started feeling very frustrated by it because some of the most negative comments he was getting are from people that are supposed to be the most understanding. Mm-hmm. And, and that was very frustrating to him. But why shouldn't he be able to express that? How does that make a difference to anybody else? So why shouldn't he be able to? Not why should he? Why shouldn't he? That's my question. You know, I 100% agree with you, so I don't have an yeah. answer to that. Uh, <laughs> but I just, I, I know certain people will hear this, right? And the, yeah. that's the thought they're going to have. Sure. Is that the sure. thought you thought I was going to, is that the question you thought yes, I was going to ask? Yes, it was. Okay. Absolutely. Check him. Because it's cause... the number one question I think most people will ask. Mm-hmm. So there's another question. And I asked, and we did discuss that. Right. He and I did discuss that. At, and before it was ever announced, it was like, you know, you're going to catch backlash from this. Why do you, do you feel like you honestly need to say this? And he said, yes, I do. So I support him in that because it's a part of who he is. And you know what? I love him. I love every part of him. I think he's a great person. He's a very good friend. And so if part of him is bisexual, then I embrace that for him as well because it's part of him. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have anything to do with whether I agree with it or not. Right. So, you know. I mean, maybe he eats meat and I don't agree with that. That's not true. I am okay with eating meat. I'm just saying there are things that people do in their lives that I don't necessarily agree with. Why should that be a cause for division? Can I just look at it and say, yeah, I don't agree with that part of you, but I love you. You know, I mean, I just think we've made such a big, huge issue over this sex of the sexual identity of people where it, it just needs to be. It's just a part of them. Let's listen a little bit more. course there's a fallout when we begin to question our belief systems and and we begin to struggle with this there's a fallout that's associated with our family or our friends the people that we hold yeah. closest to us so you've you i mean these are your in-laws but how is how is Lindsay in all of this um kind of all over the place because it's it's such a raw emotional thing so we've we've seen this kind of stuff before from them we've witnessed them treat others in this way but it's just hard i mean it's like you hold out hope that people will change and you hold out hope that there will be a real relationship where you can be vulnerable and honest about who you are and and when it doesn't happen when it goes the other way it's i mean you're you're kind of like heartbroken all over again um so it's like almost cyclical and then Mm -hmm. you run through those whole all the emotions anger bitterness betrayal sad you know so it's like initially you might be mad and then you think about it and you're sad and it's like you know we've seen it with my daughter too like and just like the the different level like like angry and then proud of how you responded but then really sad and and wondering why they're acting like this so it's it's just i mean i think when you're traumatized in any way you you kind of you're quantum in a way you're pinging back and forth all over the place without covering the space in between and Mm -hmm. You're just, you know, I mean, I'm sure chemically and biologically, you're all, I mean, all sorts of chemicals are going on. Well, yeah, the midbrain is, is firing off like crazy. And, right. and that that's before it gets to the conceptual part of your brain where you're actually able to think about it. So, you know, there's yeah. reactions that are happening, which is where we come up with triggered. 
you know, right. and you see irrational okay. information coming out of your mouth that you're like, I didn't have time to think about that. It just popped out of my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. But then, but then you're also trying, you know, we're both trying to balance like, okay, when we do communicate, when we're ready now, right. how's, what are we going to say? Cause we, we don't want to, you don't want to be reactionary. You don't want to, you don't want to react to the reaction. Right. So you want right. to be, you want to be more mindful about your approach. And so it's kind of like, trying to almost separate emotion of something and then like the analytical part on how you're going to respond and, and make mm -hmm. it better for whatever. I mean, there's, there's certain amount of trust that will never be there, Sure. but in, you know, it's still like, okay, do we just cut it off completely? Or is there any, is there anything that can be saved? Right. There? Again, I, I still feel like he is rough. describing grief there. You know, each time this comes up, you're grieving through the process all over again. That's not all those emotions that are coming out is, is you trying to make mm -hmm. sense of, of this all over again. It's cyclical. You know, and I know because for me, like, I can't imagine somebody like my kids doing something so heinous that I would cut off communication with them. I just, I can't imagine that. That's me, you know, and, and so to think that somebody's capable of that is very disturbing. You know, uh, and I, and I, I question it because, because we're supposed to, a lot of us in Christianity, look at our, our, our role as a parent. We base that on how we feel as God as a parent is. And so if we're capable of cutting somebody off, it's because we believe God is capable of cutting somebody off. And we've been taught that. I mean, that's the whole hell situation. We've been taught that God doesn't choose it, but we choose it and God's okay with it. Well, that's problematic for me. Like, I'm not okay with God being okay with anybody you know, choosing, you know, to hurt themselves and to separate themselves from him. Why wouldn't, mm -hmm. and, and, and over and over in the scripture, we're shown examples of him going after people, you know, when they're lost or they're hurt or they're distanced. So to think as a parent that it's okay for us to cut somebody off is, is hurtful, you know, and my heart breaks for all of them because I know they're all struggling very much with this. And I really liked how he broke down yeah. what they're attempting to do, which is separating yeah. emotion from reaction um, and not being reactionary, right. but being able to step back from a mature place and yeah. being Choosing able to the look response. at the situation. I think that's very important, but it does yeah. sound like a roller. Yeah, it's a roller coaster for sure. Now, I do have a bonus clip in here that doesn't actually have to deal with the episode. Well, it does. I just really, as a gay person, okay. I just really enjoyed this part of the the conversation. Specifically, Michelle and Matthew speak <laughs> about homosexuality in scripture. And this is just a little bonus that I hadn't really taken into consideration. And when I was listening oh. back as I was editing this <laughs> I don't, episode, I don't I remember like, what we said, so this is going to be... Oh. <laughs> okay. I like that. So here's a little bonus. You know, they'll, they'll quote Romans to you, but then they leave out the majority of the list in which homosexuality is even mentioned, if that's the right context, even. That's well, that, and, and, and that's and that's funny, too, because I think what speaking of Romans, like what Paul is doing is he's 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 sandwiching lists of sins that certain people focus right. on to get you like perked up like, oh, yeah, yeah, those people are doing that. <laughs> and then he hits you with the shit that you're that's doing right. and you're supposed to be like, 
Oh, Damn. I'm, I'm included in that list. I can't just pluck out 27 and 28 and say, or 26 and 27 and say, oh, see, so it's the gays. Yeah. You know, oh, oh, it's it's the other things that you, I mean, so it's the things we're doing too as good Christians that he's supposed to get your attention and they just blow right past that. Well, the justification <laughs> begins. The justification begins. Well, yeah, yeah, those are harmful behaviors, but this one is a sexual sin and that's a different level of sin. Yeah. Like somehow God has right. handed out a hierarchical handbook of what sin is worse, and, yeah. you know. So it, it becomes, oh. but, but then bodies, they'll say, but then they'll say it's the all, temple. Yeah, yeah, but then they'll say it's all equal, yeah. you know, so that, <laughs> there's, you know. there's a, that's why there's I, a lot of incongruency I mean, in belief. <laughs> I knew, I know that's why my favorite new phrase is what in the Tucker Carlson's going on? <laughs> <laughs> because the logic is just, I mean, it's like a Tucker Carlson rant. It makes no sense. You know, yeah, well, he doesn't even know what he's talking about half the time. So no, no, he he's doesn't. just in there for the ratings. Yeah. People only watch him because he's a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you left that in there. There's a little, a little levity. levity. Yeah, okay. A little levity <laughs> to the end of our conversation uh, today. But uh yeah, I, I think that we we've, yeah. <laughs> we've covered abusive messages. I think, I, so. I think from a spiritual perspective. Okay. And tied it to Matthew's situation and and everything that's going on there. <laughs> Yeah. I want to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Please check us out on Facebook. We're on, well, actually, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We've got a Patreon, uh, which you can access all of this information on our website, which is mental podcast.com. If you like the show, please feel free to subscribe and leave us a five star, five star review. We'll catch you next week. You didn't mention the hotline. Also, please check out our hotline. That phone number is 314-690-5005. Please note that that is not a call-in therapy line, but a line that you can call, leave a voicemail, or send a text message with suggestions on the show, feedback on things we're doing, or maybe a story you would like us to share on the next episode. What will it take to conserve 10 billion acres of ocean, 1.6 billion acres of land, and over 600,000 miles of river? What will it take to protect and restore natural habitats in over 70 countries around the world and in all 50 states here at home? What will it take? You. Together, we will make it happen. It's in our nature. See how your gift can help at nature.org. The Nature Conservancy. Protecting nature. Preserving life. Anticipation is building. The holidays are just around the corner, and at the Home Depot, we can't wait. With Black Friday savings all through November, you can count down to Christmas early with a Santa countdown inflatable special buy only $69.98. Or anticipate when friends and family come to visit with an entrance full of LED lights that will welcome them and the holidays with open arms. Get the holiday magic started early. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.